Hello, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, December 22nd, 2023, and yes, we're still in Advent. Uh, it's kind of a strange year where we only had three Sundays in Advent, and uh, the fourth Sunday in Advent is also Christmas Eve, uh, so we have no fourth week in Advent. Uh, but yes, it is still Advent, and uh, thus the themes of John the Baptist, but also um, we're going to observe today St. Thomas, which was yesterday, um, but I think there's something to be said maybe for Thomas in the midst of Adventide. We'll talk about that. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our psalm, Psalm 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our verse for the week. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Psalm 51, verse 5. Catechism, fifth petition. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins, or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. Sixth petition, and lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us, so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. All right. So again, today we're going to observe St. Thomas Day, which was yesterday. And uh, so the epistle and the gospel for the day will be our consideration here. Ephesians 4. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. One of the, uh, I would, well, I mean, it's hard to say any scripture in particular is most beautiful, but as far as a confession of the nature of the Christian church, uh, which is God's own creation, uh, well, it's hard to put anything against Ephesians 4 here, talking about um, being knit together into Christ and each of us um, being equipped uniquely, vocationally, for uh, the work that God has set before us for ministry. That means not everyone is given to be the same, and that's actually a good thing. Um, that means we can benefit one another, um, each being effective in working in what, what part we've been given to be. So not everyone is given to be a pastor or teacher. Not everyone's given to be an evangelist or to be a prophet or to be an apostle. And you could go down the line to be a deaconess, to be a musician, uh, to be a school teacher, to be a, um, um, I said musician already, uh, to be a lay leader, uh, to be a deacon, to be um, working in property and grounds, to be working um, in the maintenance and care of um, a sleeping place, a cemetery, right? All of these, all of this work, or um, mercy work too, right? Caring for the poor and for the sick and those in need. Um, some congregations have parish nurses. What, whatever um, vocation the Lord has called you to, that is set before you and given to you, um, you know, that's for the benefit of the whole body. And it's not as if one is greater than the other and one is less than the other. Um, it is, these are vocations of ministry, that is of service, so that we're given to serve one another in love. Um, this is difficult for those who are given roles of headship vocationally, so like a father of a family, is that um, our sinful nature is what would have us lord over um, others that responsibility to care and to protect and to provide, rather than to see it as as a vocation of love um, for spouse and for children. Of course, if you see it um, in terms of love, you're, that's that's a pretty effective way then to avoid the kind of resentment and um, regret and, and other kinds of, well, really sinful um, effects that, uh, you know, when you think you deserve, you know, respect and honor and care, you know, from those whom you've get, been given to love. Um, that's where that comes in. Um, so, you know, pastors are prone to that too, right? To look down upon the congregation whom the Lord has given them to to serve and to love uh, with the preaching of the word and the teaching of that word. Um, and part of the reason for that, of course, is not everyone receives it um, in, well, in the spirit that it's intended or receives it at all. So the pastor um, seems to be preaching into the air and not going into ears, for example. That's from my perspective. And of course, um, that is the same perspective as Jesus, <laughs> because his own disciple, Thomas, whom he had been preaching and teaching to for three years, uh, when he rises from the dead, as he, of course, told him he was going to, um, will not receive that ministry, will not receive that word. And yet Jesus um, is patient in his love, merciful in his uh, forgiveness. And I think that's uh, going to apply to every vocation, um, given whether in the church or outside the church, is that, is that we serve patiently and uh, with grace recognizing that um, the Lord has given us that vocation uh, and it will be received according to the Spirit's working. Um, outside that, it's, it's outside of our hands. We can't control how people receive it um, any more than we, can, than we can control people apart from the devil's wiles and cunning, you know, with propaganda and manipulation. Right? We're not given to that. 
we just given to love as the Lord has given us to do. All right. Um, so that's why this is such a beautiful thing. Paul is telling us that um, regardless of how it's received, this is the work that the Lord is is giving, um, both giving us and is um, carrying us along. And the only thing we need to be warned about um, is being carried about by false doctrine, trickery of men, um, cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That is to to think in terms of uh, neo-Marxist and, and everything is a power dynamic and we have to act uh, who has the power here. No, um, who have we been given to love? All right. The gospel text for uh, St. Thomas Day, of course, is the famous account of, um, uh, I think, unfairly characterized Doubting Thomas. It's uh, um, It really should be called Believing Thomas, but yes, it starts with that. <coughs> We've talked about this before. The way that we name um, a text or a Sunday um, sometimes can be quite unfortunate because it leads us in the wrong direction, and I think Doubting Thomas does that. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas uh, with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing." And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to them, or him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. All right, so you've heard this preach. This is always uh, on Quasimodo Genity, speaking of uh, names of the Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, right? Uh, from which uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame was uh, was born on the, the eighth day, the, a week after either Easter, the, uh, the octave of Easter, as it's called. Uh, we have... Thomas, uh, called the twin Didymus, right, one of the twelve, Thomas, um, who was his twin, Philip, yeah, Philip, was not with them when Jesus came, all right, uh, so the disciples say to him, they become his preacher, say, we have seen the Lord, all right, now that should be enough, right, just to hear the word of God, but uh, because of the weakness of our um, human nature, of course, God attaches his word um, to signs, uh, for us, that's water, bread and wine, and the preaching office, but here for Thomas, um, it's going to be, well, Thomas is demanding what the sign will be, the uh, the wounds that we would behold, that he would behold the wounds in, in his hands and in his side, not only behold them, but actually touch them. There might be something to be said here is that uh, if Jesus gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink, are we not receiving the same body and blood that was crucified and thereby receiving um, the wounded Jesus? There might be something to be said there. Uh, Jesus may actually accommodate our unbelief that way with that precious gift of the sacrament. By the way, that is the definition um, of a sacrament, according to um, St. Augustine, which Luther um, agreed, is that it's a word of God, attached, a word of promise from God attached to a sign, a visible sign. All right. Um, sacrament just means mystery, though, um, just in its bare definition. All right. So he asks for a sacrament. That's actually what he's asking for. He's asking for a visible sign attached to that word. All right. So for him, the word, at this point, the word is not enough. After eight days, so now an octave, right? And that's the, the eighth day after Easter um, of the resurrection of our Lord. Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst and said, so there's always that miraculous appearing, a peace to you. In other words, I forgive you. Right? Peace with God. Peace, goodwill amongst men. That's the peace of sins forgiven. Then he said to Thomas, right? Here's your sacrament. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Right? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now notice he speaks a word, 
Uh, now, this word is from the Lord himself. Uh, it's not then, but it's not qualitatively different than the word of testimony from the other disciples. All right. Uh, maybe, um, well, they have not yet been sent to preach that word in one sense. So, um, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and be given to preach the gospel in Jesus' name uh, with the Spirit's authority and power. Uh, but that may be stretching it here to say that they didn't have the speaker Spirit and that um, without the Spirit, because the Spirit always comes along with the word of testimony, that uh, that's why Thomas doesn't believe initially. No, um, it should be. <laughs> it ought to be just the same if, if the Lord says it or if one of his eyewitnesses say it to us. Uh, but there is a sacrament, right? Touch touch and, and, and feel. Now, um, there is, as you've heard me preach, there is nothing here that says that he actually um, did touch Jesus. Instead, we have the Thomas, um, not the doubting Thomas, but the believing Thomas answering and saying, my Lord and my God, right? At the word that was spoken. That's why Jesus then in turn responds, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now, of course, he did see him. He didn't ever touch him, but he does see him. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Um, but we have seen, of course, just not with our eyes, like Thomas. And we have touched, just not uh, with our fingers, like Thomas was given to. No, uh, we, have, we have seen and we have touched Jesus, but by the word of promise, the gospel, proclaimed um, from the pastor as if from God himself, delivered under bread and wine in the, in the body and blood of Jesus. Mm. So I don't know that we, I mean, I guess the quality of our interaction with Jesus is a little bit different. Not quality, that's wrong. Um, because that's you think of that as lesser or greater. No, uh, quality is not the right word. Um, just the means that we interact with Jesus is different. There we go. Um, and yet we ha- we have been given the same um, opportunity, and and uh, Jesus has actually come to us and spoken to us, and He has shown Himself to us, but not with our eyes, but with our ears. Right. So uh, I describe uh, the way that one of my um, teachers described it is that we see with our ears. So we we have ear balls. The children really like that one. So I repeat that frequently for them. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And in believing they see. Right? Not with their eyes, but with their ears. So again, I don't uh, I don't think we want to name this um, day, you know, Doubting Thomas or something. We want to name it um, Believing Thomas because where does faith come from? It comes from the visitation of Jesus by hearing the word. And Jesus works all things, moves even heaven and earth that Thomas would believe. Uh, Vicky asked, does Thomas provide an example of how we are prone to doubt um, to comfort us? Yeah. Um, does Jesus give the example of the doubt? Is this why the disciples so frequently, uh, apostles, evangelists, why they record um, the doubt of Jesus' own disciples? I think so, in part, of course, that uh, um, God wants us to know um, the temptations of our sinful flesh and that uh, no one is immune from that, not even uh, the one who walks and talks with Jesus for three years in catechesis, all right? So I, I think there, that is true, and that is a comfort. But doubt is never a comfort. I think um, that's the one caution I would make. Um, just the fact that that they doubted or that we doubt um, is not meant to comfort us, um, but it's meant to uh, direct us back to Christ. So revealing that doubt is the work of the law um, for the purpose of being turning to Christ again for forgiveness and for the strengthening of our faith right, by the work of the Spirit through the Word. Um, so the, the central aspect here is when he shows the doubt of Thomas, Jesus also shows um, what he does with that. <laughs> he turns us back around and back onto himself for, um, well, for faith, right? And so he speaks to us. Uh, it is really remarkable, it should be remarkable to us 
um, that despite our continual rebellion and doubts and worries and uh, refusal to believe that God truly cares for us and loves us, um, that Jesus never stops speaking to us, right? And there's probably nothing more horrifying, and Luther cautioned his own uh, native Germans, um, there'd be nothing more terrifying than to have um, the Holy Spirit depart, right? We talked about this with Ezekiel, with the glory of the Lord departing from the temple. I mean, that um, that was terrifying to them. Or I mentioned it a few weeks ago with um, the prophet Malachi and how he was the last to speak prophetically of the coming Savior, and then God was silent, at least in terms of prophetic word, for 400 years. Can you imagine? Imagine, yeah. No, so the the, the beauty um, of uh, coming to learn about our doubt is that what Jesus does with it is that he keeps coming and speaking to us and answering our doubt with the words that give faith. Namely, um, I have died for you. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. So that that would be my caution. Um, sometimes people do this with sin, um, with unbelief, other kinds, you know, with transgressions, these sorts of things. Say, you know, that that those who have fallen the furthest are the um, are the closest to the kingdom or something like that. You know, so. You know, the ones who have been away from the church the longest or have had the hardest time in their life probably are the closest to heaven. Uh, it's true, they might know their sin greater, to a greater extent um, than those who have been blessed to be a part of the church their entire life or uh, for the most of their life. That's true. Um, but as far as the need for forgiveness, that's the same. All right. And so um, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are forgiven freely in Christ's name. Yes, our doubts are probably different, and our rebellion probably has a different nature, but our need for forgiveness is the same. All right, so good question. So uh, here's a meditation. Thomas, named also Didymus, that is the twin, was one of the Lord's 12 chosen apostles. Only St. John's Gospel records any words from him. When Lazarus died and Jesus proclaimed that he was going to Judea to awaken him, Thomas said to the other disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. John 11, verse 16. Thus Thomas shows that he had heard and heeded the Lord Jesus' predictions of his own passion. During the Lord's farewell discourse, Jesus announced that he was going to prepare a place for the disciples and would come again to take them to himself. He told the disciples that they knew the way to the place where he is going. But Thomas replied, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus responded to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, John 14. Most famously, Thomas is remembered for doubting the words of his fellow disciples when they told him that Christ had indeed been raised from the dead. He had not been with them in the upper room on Easter evening until the Lord had appeared. He announced his stubborn doubt, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never ever believe. In great mercy, Christ appeared again a week later, and this time Thomas was with them. He bid Thomas to do exactly as he proposed. Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas then confessed, my Lord and my God. Jesus asked if he had believed because of what he saw, and proclaimed, blessed those, uh, and proclaimed, blessed those who do not see and yet believe. Thomas also was with the disciples when Christ revealed himself alive in Galilee, and granted them, a miraculous catch of fish. That's the next chapter, John 21. After Pentecost and the dispersion of the apostles, Thomas reportedly traveled as far as uh, east of India. To this day, a group of Christians in India still refers to themselves as Christians of St. Thomas. It is believed he was martyred for Christ by being killed with a spear, and thus his symbol is a spear with a builder square, for he was one of the architects by whom Christ built his church. His feast day in the West has been observed on December 21st, at least since 
the ninth century. Oof, how's that? All right. Um, so, uh, what, what what's the question here? Why Malachi? Why Malachi? What? <laughs> I guess is the question. Uh, Malachi, by the way, Malach Yahweh just means messenger of God. Um, uh, there may be something to the fact that he is is that the last prophet is also called an angel, right? A messenger, angelos in Greek, Mal- Malach in uh, Hebrew. So that's an interesting question, perhaps. But that, I don't know if that's your question. Why Malachi? Uh, why was God silent for the four hundred years between uh, Malachi and the gospel? Well, God still spoke throughout, right? But uh, they were to rely upon the words that had already been spoken. So that's a good question, maybe. Um, I think the the key is actually the final prophecy from Malachi, <laughs> and uh, then also you have um, you have the rebuilding of the temple. Malachi comes back about a hundred years after Jerusalem comes back, and uh, and may, and there is the second temple being built, but um, the glory cloud never arrives again. And I think maybe that's your. I thought that might be your question. After him was no prophecies. Um, the prophetic word is given to point to Christ, but um, the final word from Mal from Malachi, of course, is "Behold, I send my messenger before your face." Right, Malachi four. The day is coming, burning like an oven. The son of righteousness shall arise. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Um, and I, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and, uh, of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, etc. So they were given to wait um, and wait for that Elijah who is to come, who ultimately is fulfilled in John the Baptist. Uh, we see that kind of patient waiting uh, as being uh, maybe a chore or a difficulty, I suppose. Um, but God does not leave us without the gifts um, to wait. So we've been talking about that all throughout Advent. What what are we given to wait for? Why are we waiting? Why why no more prophecy? Why no more apostles? Why why has Jesus not come again? And uh, part of the answer to that, of course, is uh, no one knows the day or the hour of our Lord's coming, not even the Son, only the Father. That's part of the answer. Part of the answer, too, is that God has not left us alone and that he uh, plans to uh, bring all things um, together and to gather all the saints uh, unto him um, before that last day. So here I think you want to go to um, Galatians 4, which I read for you a couple days ago. Um, but this is the time was like an overripe boil uh, text, <laughs> which you don't forget, is that um, what God does is he actually whittles down everything that we might put our fa- fear, love, and trust in that isn't him until the only thing left to trust in is is God. So you think about what, what what has happened, what has God allowed to have happen from the time of Malachi and, the, and Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple, right, until the time of Christ. By the time of, of, of Jesus' birth, um, Herod is ruling over Galilee. Um, Ju- Judah has been completely occupied by the Romans. You know, the uh, Maccabean revolt was short-lived, just to, you know, lasted 100 years or so. And then um, um, it seems as if the line and lineage of David is gone, that the stump of Jesse has been cut, you know, whittled, you know, basically ground down um, to ground level. Uh, it seems as if there is no hope left. Uh, and there certainly isn't in any kind of earthly ruler or any kind of earthly prophet. And then John comes proclaiming Christ, the Messiah, who is true God and true man, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, And then Jesus himself says, you know, that the time of the temple and all the things that were given to the tabernacle and temple to prepare for him are now met their completion in him. Um, And so the prophetic office is also brought to an end in Christ as well with John. 
there's a lot of things that maybe are going on there in that interregnum, that time between times between uh, Old Testament and New Testament. But I think more than anything, it's um, you know whittling down our fear, love, and trust into the only thing that we have left is that bare trust in the promised Messiah. In our case, to the Messiah who's come, Christ Jesus. Uh, how does uh, I, I've quoted this uh, gospel tune from uh, uh, well, the man in black sings it right. God's going to cut you down. Um, that's not that doesn't mean he's going to kill you necessarily. Yes, he does. He kills your sin. We heard about that on Wednesday night. But he is going to tear down every idol from its throne. He will be your God, and you will be his people, which is uh, comforting um, to us. But at the same time, um, it's not necessarily pleasant to the sinful flesh. <laughs> All right. So maybe that's one explanation. I'm sure there's others too. Uh, what to do with those 400 years? Of course, 400 years between uh, Malachi and Christ. Uh, mirrors the 400 years in Egypt until Moses came. Hmm. So that might be something there too. You think of the pattern there of uh, Christ being like Moses, but also unlike Moses. I will raise up a prophet from among you, amongst your brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. This is all the promise made to Moses. All right. Oof. Good questions. Let's sing our hymn for the week, When All the World Was Cursed. Again, a day late, but uh, St. Thomas Day. Almighty and ever-living God, you strengthened your apostle Thomas with firm and certain faith in the resurrection of your Son. Grant us such faith in Jesus Christ our Lord and our God that we may never be found wanting in your sight. Through the same Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, for the sick and dying. We also pray this day in Thanksgiving with Whitney, celebrating her birthday. We pray for the households of our church, especially that of Matt and Vicki, Wendell and Amy, Katrina, Dwayne and Pam, Dan and Liz, Martin and Tara, our catechumens, 
All those ill receiving treatment are recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Sophie, and Brad, Ron, Carol, Doug, and Donna, Joan, Sandy, Owen, and Wendell, Merlin, Jolene, and President Willie. Pray for our homebound. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially our mission of the month, a place of refuge, and for those grieving, the family and friends of Walt. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation at prayer for today, Friday, December 22nd, 2023. It's good to have you with us uh, to listen or to watch, whether you're watching on the streaming platforms, listening in your podcast player, uh, or even if you're, you've done the use the call-in feature, which, by the way, feel free to share that with uh, anyone you think is not terribly tech-savvy who would also uh, appreciate joining us for this. Um, they can listen to it later in the day um, via telephone. All right. So God be with you all, and uh, we'll see you in the morning. We'll prepare for divine service on Sunday. Uh, remember, Sunday, we still have Bible class, Ezekiel 43. I promise we're actually going to read. Um, <laughs> and then uh, um, divine service is actually kind of Christmas Eve, kind of Advent 4. All right. And then, of course, our chief Christmas Eve service is at 630 uh, with candlelight. And then 10 o'clock is the midnight service. Uh, of course, Christmas Day at 9.30 as well. And those are festival festival services, 6.30 and 9.30. So plenty of festive singing at both of those. Merry Christmas to you all as well. Happy Advent, and we'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.